Welcome to Disclosure. I am your host for today's program, Jean Boonstra. Disclosure is brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. Now, the Voice of Prophecy has been on the air for many, many, many years, over 85 years now. And Disclosure is one of the new offerings brought to you by this ministry. And I am happy to welcome you to today's program from beautiful Loveland, Colorado, where it is a sunny day, where it is often a sunny day in Colorado. And my guest today is Jennifer Jill Schwerzer, and you might remember her from a program um, that Sean and I did with Jennifer, oh, I'm not sure, about four, five, six weeks ago now, maybe a little bit more, and we talked about anxiety and a couple of other issues, and um, Sean and I really enjoyed our experience talking to Jennifer. We felt she was very, very informed, very balanced, very dedicated to what she does, and we thought we need to have her back on the program soon. And so here we are again today. Jennifer, welcome back to Disclosure. It's good to be here. (laughs) Well, Jennifer, since we talked last, you have relocated and you are now in Orlando, Florida. I am. That's right. And I drove the truck down by myself. Good for you. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) So there in Orlando, Florida, you stay busy. You are an mm-hmm. author, you are a psychotherapist. And mm-hmm. what I wanted to ask you about today, Jennifer, because it's the new year, um, the mm-hmm. season has changed, whether maybe not in Orlando, Florida, you're probably still pretty nice and it's warm there. Gorgeous. <laughs> the best time of the year here. But that's true. Winter is yeah. perfection in Florida. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, where I grew up in Canada and much of North America, it's cold. The days are short. And I think January, too, sometimes people have a lot of um, dread. Um, We've all enjoyed the holidays. And then Mm -hmm. January, you know, no more lights in the evening. Um, Mm -hmm. All the bills come due from all of our celebrations. And I think Mm -hmm. people call it sometimes the winter blues. And, you know... Yeah. (laughs) And it's not people's favorite time of the year. And, you know, I have to say, in in my personal experience, years ago, when Sean and I lived up in the far north of British Columbia there in Canada, January was a tough month for me. It was. Um, Living up there, the sun didn't rise until about 10 in the morning, and it went down well before 4, probably closer to around 3. And for me, that was before we had kids, and I... Sean was often gone off to visit one of his three churches, and I had a job where I didn't have a window in my office. And so I would go there in the dark, I would leave there in the dark, and if I didn't force myself at lunchtime to bundle up in my parka and my scarf and my big old clunky winter boots, I wouldn't see the sun all day. And Those were long, long days. Now, we weren't there very long. We only spent two winters up there. And so I I don't feel, you know, I don't feel like it really affected me much. But I wonder if I'd lived there long term, what my experience would have been. And I hear people talk about these winter blues. And I think probably maybe some of our listeners, Jennifer, experiencing similar to what I described. So tell me, are these winter blues? Is that a real thing? Oh, definitely a real thing. It's anecdotally and, you know, just human experience been around for centuries, but it was actually coined as a disorder 
1984 by a man named Norman Rosenthal, a, doc, a medical doctor, and he called it Seasonal Affective Disorder, or SAD. <laughs> it's an accurate it's acronym, isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what it does. Sure. So, okay. And, and, of course, that would be a clinical level. Now there's just winter blues or winter blahs that aren't, you know, sufficient for a clinical diagnosis. But if it gets bad enough, it can be a diagnosis, and seasonal affective is, is that diagnosis, yes. Okay. So seasonal mm-hmm. affective disorder, officially named mm-hmm. in 1984. 84, that's mm-hmm. right. Okay, so relatively newly diagnosed, but as you mm-hmm. said, anecdotally, lots mm-hmm. of evidence of it. So tell us yeah, a little cabin bit. cabin fever is another, you know, oh, another kind of true. term, cabin fever. People that live in cold climates start crawling up the walls because you don't go outside because it's so cold. Mm-hmm. And your mood is affected by the lack of bright light exposure, and then things go downhill from there. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about this disorder. What does it look like? What are some of the things that define it? Sure. It's a subtype of depression that occurs during the fall and winter when the days get shorter and the days get darker. So it's going to look pretty much like depression, Hmm. lack of motivation, either oversleeping or undersleeping, depending on the person. Some people medicate with food. Some people medicate, they, they lose their appetite. It's, you know, melancholic thoughts, withdrawal, it's a worst case scenario, withdrawal from other people. And these types of manifestations are typical of depression. It's going to be the same thing. The reason it's called seasonal affective is because of what causes it. So it's really a subtype of major depressive disorder. Okay. And that makes sense. So mm-hmm. this, what is it that really affects people to experience these symptoms of major depression? Is it the lack of sunlight? It is. That's the, you know, that's, that's, that's basically in a nutshell what causes it. Um, but we can be, can be augmented, if I could say it that way, by biological predisposition mm. and stress. So basically what happens is a lack of sunlight. And two things happen. The days are shorter. It's just generally darker. There's not as much light. And it gets colder, so people are less inclined to go outside. And some people just don't go outside. They go to the gym to exercise. They don't bundle up like you did, which is actually very wise. <laughs> okay. Even good. though it's freezing out there, it's the wise thing to do because of the fresh air and the bright light. But people tend not to do that. They go to the gym these days to exercise, if they exercise at all. So people, as a result, will get almost no sunlight exposure or no bright light exposure. And as a result of that, the serotonin balance of the brain gets thrown off. Bright light exposure increases serotonin. Serotonin is the mood-regulating neurotransmitter or brain chemical that helps your mood stabilize and be in a positive kind of even keel kind of state and Mm -hmm. that gets thrown off by the lack of sunlight and so the mood will go down as a result of low serotonin so add to that biological predisposition which by the way is stronger in women women are more often depressed they have lower brain serotonin than men and more depression more anxiety Mm -hmm. and they're more vulnerable to sad more effective. Interesting. So, and, and then, of course, people who come from families where there are various 
or, you know, one type or another of affective disorder, depression, bipolar, these types of things all over the family tree, they're going to be more predisposed to developing seasonal affective as well. Okay. okay. And then you add the factor of stress, which is interesting. You said people cheer up at the holidays. Some people have the opposite experience. They That's dread true. at the holidays depending mm-hmm. on the condition of their family sure. relationship. Yeah. So, or, or if uh, they've... And, and sometimes just the, the extreme pressure to please everyone and get the right present. All the things that come with our extremely materialistic approach to Christmas can really, really bother people and create a lot of stress in their lives. Yeah, yeah. It's Absolutely. Kind of a perfect storm. Right, right. So mm-hmm. the days are shortening. Well, yes, because mm-hmm. this is not just a, a January problem. This is just a mm-hmm. short day. So mm-hmm. in the holidays, you're right, you have that perfect storm of that mm-hmm. stress, you know, I think of a person who maybe has just lost a spouse or a loved one, mm-hmm. the holidays, how difficult they would be. And then that, yeah. I don't know, I, I, I think often too that that carries over into January because as you mentioned, that pressure to create, mm-hmm. I think as, as females too, probably we feel this the most, we, we feel this pressure to create the perfect uh, memories, the perfect background, the perfect meal, the perfect everything. And I don't yeah. know that we end up enjoying the holidays as much as we should. You are so spot on. And, you know, one of the tragedies of this is that people will try to create all that perfection, mm-hmm. often in the context of families that are far from perfect in terms of the relationship. And so there's all this pressure to make things look good. Mm-hmm. But often there's what I call a bonding failure, especially if people are visiting family. It's the only time of the year they see family and they really don't have close bonds with family members, but they're kind of forced into each other's company <laughs> just by the convention of it. Um, mm-hmm. This can be a, a particularly hard on women who are relationally wired and want so desperately for everybody to love everybody, you know. Right, And right. Uh, Yeah, so we knock ourselves out trying to get that to happen, and, and it doesn't always happen. So then you're right, January and February can be a time of reflecting back on those difficult yeah. realities. Mm-hmm. And then the cold and the dark, it can be a, a perfect storm and yeah. send women into a, a downward spiral. Hmm. I women like... are four times as likely to develop seasonal affective, by the way. Four times? That's very significant. So we are naturally then, did I hear you say that we naturally produce less serotonin? And so we're biologically, okay, Mm -hmm. so we're biologically Mm -hmm. more um, predisposed to the effects of the the lack of sunlight. Mm -hmm. I liked a phrase Mm -hmm. you used just a minute ago. You said that at the holidays, there's that bonding failure because we're Mm -hmm. sort of all forced together, but it's not necessarily Mm -hmm. natural. And then I know myself and, you know, I, I, I like to think I don't put a whole lot of pressure on the holidays and I try and focus just on the kids more than anything. Mm-hmm. But often, mm-hmm. even when I think that it's been a great successful holiday season, I look back in January or February and I think, ah, oh, I wish this had been done a different way. And sometimes I even sort of beat myself up a little bit because I didn't just sit down and enjoy it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So um, there's a there's a lot of spillover. Well, Jennifer, mm-hmm. we're going to take um, a little break here. 
But we've already started to unpack this winter blues. If you are listening and you're struggling right now, it's the new year, the days are short, and life is just feeling a little bit overwhelming. Well, you are not alone. This is not just in your imagination. These winter blues are real, and it's something that, as Jennifer just shared with us, was named. It's a disorder, a seasonal affective disorder, named back in 1984, not that long ago, relatively recent history. Well, if you're listening and you want to also learn a little bit more about what Jennifer does, maybe you're in the Orlando area. She does have a website, jennifergill.org. Did I get that right, Jennifer? You did. Okay. JenniferJill.org. And there, uh, Jennifer, just in 20 or 30 seconds, tell us what people can find when they visit your website. They can find a description of who I am, what I do. They can find links to the various aspects of my ministries and products that I sell, books okay. mm-hmm. that are available, DVDs, CDs, and just general good stuff. <laughs> Wonderful. Good. Well, you you are sharing some really helpful information already. So thank you, Jennifer, for being with us. And those of you listening, stay with us through this short break. We have some information that I don't want you to miss. This offer from the Voice of Prophecy matched with what you're learning here about seasonal affective disorder, maybe put together, might just be what you are looking for in this new year. I'm Jean Boonster. You're listening to Disclosure. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness, or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers and guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter most to you in each of the 26 Discover Bible Guides. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Welcome back to Disclosure. I'm your host for today's program, Jean Boonstra. And you know, it's a new year and it's chilly here in Colorado. It's sunny, but it's chilly. And our studios are situated here in our offices in Loveland, Colorado, right next to a long hallway that goes underneath. We call it the tunnel. And it's a little chilly, but I have a wonderful shawl that I keep here in the studio now to keep me warm that one of our wonderful sponsors crocheted for me. And if you are listening, you can't see it, but we have cameras here in the studio. And if you're watching, I want to show you 
this shawl. Aren't the colors beautiful? And it's just perfect for this time of year to keep me warm. So our wonderful sponsor who made it for me, if she's watching, she knows who she is. <laughs> well, my guest today is Jennifer Jill Schwarzer. Jennifer, I'm glad you're with me today on our program. Good to be here. <laughs> well, before our break, Jennifer, we were talking about seasonal affective disorder. And you mentioned something that um, really caught my interest. You said that women in particular are four times more likely to suffer from this than um, men. So tell me, what is the prevalence of seasonal affective disorder? Um, you know, I think that I, I actually don't have any hard statistics on exactly how many people and where, but I know it's more prevalent, obviously, in areas of the world where there's shorter days and more cold weather. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and I do know that women are much more inclined to I'm sorry, I didn't get the, the statistics on that. Oh, no, have, no, that's okay. You know, Just I'm in general terms. <laughs> but yeah, it's, obviously much more prevalent um, in the North Country, and that's why I moved to Orlando. <laughs> You're smart. You're very smart. Well, and, and that's actually one of the treatments. You know, if all else fails, uh, uh-huh. Dr. Rosenthal, who coined the term female affective disorder, recommends that if, if all else fails, just move to a warmer part of the country and a part of the country where you can have more daylight. Okay. So further south. You can get outside more. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So this is something that people in the northern northern parts of of North America, Europe, I assume, wherever humans are in um, situations where they have cold weather and, and short days, this disorder occurs. Would that be a correct assumption? Yes, and I, I really think it's kind of echoes of the fall um, in Eden where there was this perfect world where I'm sure they got lots of bright light exposure. And our brains were created for that bright light and for long days and not cold weather, (laughs) for moderate weather and being outside all the time. And then the fall came and brought with it, you know, all the things we see around us, including inclement weather and drove people inside. Mm -hmm. And I really think like the Bible says, the whole creation groans and travails together waiting for the revealing of the sons of God or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. I think the creation, including our brain chemistry, is kind of groaning under the weight of our fallen condition. And we are I think I think that seasonal effective is sort of echoes of what we were created for, which is a world of perfect moderate climate and lots of sunlight. And so I think that um, we can fight this but we have to fight it with the tools that are going to correct that, including bright light exposure and including getting outside. So um, that's, the, that's the primary treatment for seasonal affective is bright light exposure. Okay. And, mm-hmm. and that makes sense. That makes sense. We, you know, we weren't created um, for exactly this kind of world that we live in, were we? We were created for a perfect world. And mm-hmm. and having more exposure to light, we, we know, you know, science certainly backs up the fact that, that getting that vitamin D from the light mm-hmm. and getting outside mm-hmm. in the fresh air, of course, is all better for us, better for our brain development. You know, mm-hmm. I think, Jennifer, um, here in Colorado, 
our mm-hmm. shortest day, like like most places in the northern climate, is towards the end of December. And mm-hmm. I, I, I actually looked it up because I was curious. I've only been in Colorado two years, and I thought, I wonder how long the shortest day in Colorado is. And it was nine mm-hmm. hours and 21 minutes of daylight, which, you know, in some ways doesn't sound too short. But then when you think about how quickly those nine hours are consumed in just work and mm-hmm. day-to-day tasks. You know, that mm-hmm. that represents sun the sun rising at 7.20 in the morning and then setting again at 4.40 in the mm-hmm. afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thankfully, mm-hmm. the thing I, I really enjoy about Colorado is we do get a lot of sunshine. So even mm-hmm. when those days are short, they're often sunny. What mm-hmm. about people who are living um, in the... I think of where I used to live also, which is in like the Pacific Northwest, where even mm-hmm. when the days lengthen, the amount mm-hmm. of sunshine is very, very mm-hmm. limited. Do they have the same type of experience with seasonal not affective? As much, it's okay. not really about sunshine per se as much as it's about bright light from what I understand. So when I help people treat depression or seasonal affective, I encourage them to go outside. Mm-hmm. And even if it's overcast, I tell them that they're going to get that bright light exposure. We don't realize how much brighter it is outside, even when it's overcast, but it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's, of course, going to be ideal if you've got the sunbeams coming down and so forth, but it's also beneficial to get outside even when there's, it's a cloudy day mm-hmm. because okay. that is going to be significantly brighter light. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just get outside. Even if it's cloudy, you're getting a lot more sunlight exposure than you would be sitting inside. That's right. Okay. That's right. Okay. And particularly, apparently, getting outside first thing in the morning is more effective for some reason. From what I understand, bright light exposure within a half hour of waking up in the morning is going to increase your serotonin levels. And that serotonin is later going to become melatonin. So I can remember... And that's going to help you sleep, by the way. Hmm. I can remember um, having an episode, an interpersonal issue in my life and really struggling to get past it and feeling really depressed about it. And I heard that and I decided that instead of my daily workout in the afternoon, I would do it in the morning and I would go running first thing in the morning. And I started doing that and I was able to get some depression behind me as a result of that bright light exposure first thing in the morning. There is something about that having, so to, so to speak, a fresh brain and taking it outside uh, first thing in the morning, that really helps enhance brain chemistry. Okay. So that really yeah. made a difference. Even you experienced yeah. that personally. So you put your clinical yeah. advice uh, oh, yeah. to the test and, and you found oh, out that yeah. it worked. <laughs> it did. That's good. That's I've, good. I've got, a, I've got a practice on it for you, sure. I'll soon cease to be authentic. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you do. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Very true. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. getting outside in the morning, even if it's cloudy, yeah. that's going to yeah. help with those um, serotonin levels. And then you mentioned something else that um, I think was important, which is the melatonin, which is going to help you sleep. Because mm-hmm. one of the symptoms um, you mentioned in the first segment was yeah. potentially either too much sleep or a lack of sleep. So that would that's help right. with that symptom as well, wouldn't it? Disrupted sleep, that's right. And so melatonin is what's responsible for helping us knock off at night. we got to go to sleep at night. And we're going to want more brain melatonin. And serotonin, from what I understand, becomes melatonin. So when you have deficiency of serotonin, you're going to have less melatonin. And this is why some people become, uh, they get insomnia when they get depressed. 
Oh, interesting. Interesting. So getting outside does a lot of things for people. You know, we don't, we don't realize how effective it is. But just to walk in nature, number one, you're getting the bright light exposure. Number two, you're getting fresh air, unless, unless you live in a sewer or something. But most mm-hmm. part, you're going to get somewhat fresh air. Mm-hmm. Thirdly, you're going to get exposed to nature. Even if you don't live in the country, you can find a park or even just seeing trees as you're walking down the road. And seeing beautiful things and things of nature is very restful to the mind. It reminds us of the creator. And another really interesting uh, benefit from walking is, and let me say this about walking before I explain that benefit. Sure. So the, the, the only, the, the best exercise program is the one we stick to. And sometimes <laughs> people true. make their exercise programs so difficult that they don't stick to them. So I recommend walking for everyone because very few people are going to have to just grit their teeth and force themselves to go for a walk. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to do, and it's not likely to become grueling for you, and uh, you're not likely, as likely, I don't think, to fall off the wagon, so to speak, if your daily routine is just to walk. Mm-hmm. But I think it's really important that people not undervalue um, walking. It exercises every muscle in the body. So another secondary benefit of walking is that apparently moving the eyes across the field of vision increases brain processing capacity by bilateralizing the brain. And even the uh, action of walking where you're stepping on one foot then the other and swinging your arms, you're actually stimulating both sides of your body, and that leads to stimulation of both hemispheres of the brain. And this has been shown to help increase the brain's ability to process difficult material, even trauma. I, I treat trauma clients that, that have trauma by having them walk and talk through the trauma as they're walking because we find that that helps their brain process the event better, particularly when you're looking across the field of vision at the bird over there and the tree swaying in the wind over there and the sunlight over there, kind of moving your eyes around. It seems to put the brain in a condition where it can function and works better for us, so to speak. Wow. There's a lot of benefits. Yeah. Just putting on your shoes and your coat and getting out there. Just and walking. getting out there. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I didn't realize there was a scientific reason for what you're just explaining. Mm-hmm. But I know if I've been struggling over something, mm-hmm. whether it's a, a personal issue or maybe mm-hmm. I'm trying to find the right wording for something, I'm working on a work project, if I just go for a walk. Very often, it's like the cobwebs disappear, and I'm able to um, find solutions for what I was what I was looking for. And <laughs> now I understand why. If there's reasons for it, and and also to calm down if you're in an escalated situation, you're about to have conflict or explode or get irritable, you know, or whatever in a board meeting or something. Sometimes a ten minute walk will prevent disaster. Yeah. <laughs> walking it off brain. literally that's right yeah <laughs> if you're, if you're a hothead like me you need that option <laughs> oh yeah well this is this is wonderful uh jennifer i think we've just started to talk about something that's really important which is if an individual is yeah. 
suffering from the symptoms of seasonal affective disorder, how do they treat it? So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, um, I want to dig into that a little bit deeper and talk about some of the things that you would offer to people, to patients that you see in your practice. So if you're listening, um, stay with us here. And if for some reason the station that you're listening to, we go off the air, well, that's okay. You can pick up the rest of our program right on our website, vop.com slash disclosure. And there you will find this episode with Jennifer Jill, where we're talking about seasonal affective disorder and also all of our other episodes including the program Sean and I did with Jennifer about anxiety which is also fascinating fascinating some wonderful material there that she shared so we're going to take this short break but please stay with us here at Disclosure we're talking about how we as Christians can learn a little more about this disorder and how we can be equipped to handle it and deal with it as God has planned for our lives, our purpose. So stay with us. We'll be right back in just a few seconds. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Does my life really matter to God? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Welcome back to Disclosure. I'm your host for today's program, Jean Boonstra, and my guest today is psychotherapist and author Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. Jennifer, glad you're with us on Disclosure today. Great to be here. Well, you and I are talking about something that I think is really, really important, especially this time of year, as the days are short and the weather is cold, other than Mm -hmm. in beautiful Orlando, Florida, where you are located. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky Lucky you, yes. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about seasonal affective disorder. And I just kind Mm -hmm. of want to regroup for a minute here in the second half of the program, Jennifer, and remind us again, if someone listening right now thinks that they might be suffering from this, what kind of things might they have as symptoms? What what might they be experiencing? They're going to be experiencing basically the symptoms of depression. Okay. Lack of motivation, sad feelings, uh, feeling of numbness sometimes, social withdrawal, either oversleeping or undersleeping, overeating or undereating, and at worst case scenario, loss of functionality. Can't even mm. make yourself work. Can't make yourself engage with anyone. Life just falls apart. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And worst case scenario, suicidal mm-hmm. thoughts and 
and sometimes behaviors. So, okay. yeah. So this is very, very serious, very serious. So if if people listening, someone listening right now might be feeling these symptoms, it it could be depression. It could be this particular subtype of depression that often happens at this time of the year. So, you you know, mm -hmm. let me say this, that often people will start developing these types of symptoms and then they will engage in something that I would call emotional reasoning, where they look at the way they feel and they draw conclusions based on the way that they feel. So I feel like life isn't worth living, therefore it must not be worth living. Hmm. And what, what helps people in a situation like that is pointing out to them, your emotions could be the result of brain chemistry. And this could be a seasonal issue. And come springtime, you'll start to feel like living again. Interesting. So you, you can help them sort of distance themselves from those feelings rather than over-identify with them and to draw too much from them, to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to make too many assumptions based on those feelings. And that can, can really break the continuum and help them get past it. So, but what happens when people aren't aware of things like this is they'll get those really sad feelings and they don't even realize it's brain chemistry stuff going on that they have seasonal effective and they'll think, well, my life just isn't worth living. And they'll sometimes take their life, you know, mm-hmm. God forbid. It's tragic. Yeah. 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 That's why I do psychoeducation. That's why I help people try to understand how their brain works. And, you know, here's the thing is like, we have our existence is corporeal. You know, we experience life in these physical bodies. Mm-hmm. And we're subject to the limitations and liabilities of the corporeal existence. So we can get physically wounded or killed. And our brain, even though it houses our mind and our character, it's still subject to the infirmities of a physical organ. And so that's why the more we know about the brain, the better we can take care of it. Um, the easier time we'll have with the whole character building process and relationship building process and all the other things that we're attempting mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's incredibly valuable, and I love that phrase, emotional reasoning. So mm-hmm. maybe if we're feeling at the, particularly mm-hmm. at this time of the year, like life is just at its worst and everything is just at the bottom mm-hmm. and, and we see everything sort of darkly. Right. That's our brain. It's not necessarily our reality. That's our brain chemistry telling us that that's what's happening. And, and in a few short months, everything might look completely different. So mm-hmm. what, if a person sort of has this experience year after year, would you advise them, you know, don't make major decisions at this time of year? Would, would well, that really be part of point. it? Yeah. And learn, learn how to accept this is what happens to me during this season. So right. let's just sketch out here a perfect storm here or, or sort of a, a confluence of factors. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's call her Edith. And Edith, in the colder, darker months, spends a lot of time inside, doesn't get as much sunlight exposure, starts to feel quite glum has some of the symptoms of depression, but then she has to go see her family at Christmas time and her uncle who abused her when she was a child is there and the family won't let her talk about it. And so it's secondary trauma because she's not only been abused by him, but she's been validated by her family who is supposed to protect her. And as a result of that encounter for a couple months afterwards, she always feels this shockwave, this post-traumatic stress. Hmm. Uh, It's, 
if, if Edith can contemplate where she realizes, you know, this is just A plus B equals C. This is not Edith being a failure or Edith being unstable. It's just Edith being a human being who has had childhood abuse and is suffering seasonal affective disorder for chemical reasons. And because it runs in my family, because I'm a female, if she can know those things and she can distance herself from what she's going through and she can have hope that it, the, the clouds will break eventually and she will feel better. Hmm. It can make a huge difference when people know what's going on and yeah. they can distance themselves from it a little bit. Yeah. Oh, what you're doing in, in, in helping people find that place, Jennifer, that's, mm-hmm. that's wonderful work. It's a wonderful ministry that you are doing mm-hmm. to help people mm-hmm. see that broader mm-hmm. picture and not mm-hmm. kind of get buried in the moment of what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. It's wonderfully mm-hmm. valuable. And, you know, I, I have raised emotional reasoning to an art form in my own life, and it wasn't <laughs> until I started studying these things that I realized, wow, I don't have to assume that I'm a train wreck just because I feel like one. Sure. I can feel like one because sometimes those feelings are because of what I ate for lunch or the music they're playing over the <laughs> loudspeaker or right. some kind of trigger that happened that I'm not even fully conscious of or maybe the weather and I'm going to feel the way I feel, but that's not who I am. Mm. It's just the way I feel. It's very liberating to think of it very. that way. Very, very liberating. Mm. Very. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So this is one of the one of the most important features of treatment of SAD is that you know people manage their stress levels and okay. as part of that is realizing look during this season of the year I I don't manage stress as well as I normally do and so yeah maybe I shouldn't make any major life decisions <laughs> during this time right right. Um, Right. And then, of course, you know, prayer, giving things, making even more of an effort to give things to God and to trust in a Heavenly Father that cares for us, even though we don't always feel Him near, uh, just by faith, accepting that that is a reality. Mm-hmm. Another thing that I would do with people is teach them how to deep breathe, because deep breathing can be very calming and very helpful mm-hmm. for the brain. Okay. okay. So deep, yeah. deep breathing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Wonderful. It's a good stress management tool. Yeah, yeah. And another big one is is self-care. What I mean by self-care, a lot of times when people get depressed, they will start to self-indulge. They'll either get into various addictions or they'll, you know, eat or watch media that isn't uplifting or whatever they do to sort of escape their negative feelings. Mm -hmm. But then they'll feel worse as a result of doing those things because they wasted time or they, you know, they did something immoral or they got fat or whatever happened. Mm-hmm. as a consequence of that behavior. So that's self-indulgence. But self-care, it, it's similar to self-indulgence in the sense that it feels good in the moment, but it doesn't have bad side effects. It doesn't hurt you or anyone else. So self-care is choosing to do things that are going to make you feel good, but that aren't going to rise up and bite you. Mm. So things like exercise, things like making healthy, nutritious meals that you enjoy, Things like planning social events with people you actually like. It's not self-care to (laughs) go talk to the aunt that you have to grit your teeth through the entire conversation. It's self-care to be with someone you really like. Someone who Um, makes you feel better rather than the obligatory. Yeah. Right. 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 So that's what I call self-care. And that's a very important skill for people with any kind of depression. Okay. For anxiety to learn, learn how to care for yourself. You are the steward of your body and your emotions and your mind. Mm-hmm. And learn how to be kind to yourself. Hmm. 
you know, so does that then, if a person sort of has a pattern of that self-indulgence as a way of trying to cope with their depression or their sad, um, does that self-care then help them sort of to maybe replace those bad habits or bad routines with positive ones? Yeah, the reason we eat so much sugar is because we don't eat enough fruit. Mm-hmm. If people will sometimes just do the thing that's good for them, they won't even want to do the thing that's bad for them. Okay. So it's a very proactive way of sort of heading the addiction off of the path and keeping bad habits from setting in when you choose to develop good habits that are both gratifying and uplifting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And then you, you have these positive effects that sort of build mm-hmm. on and, and rather than, mm-hmm. as you described, the negative, which is the guilt mm-hmm. and maybe even the shame that comes with the self-indulgence. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So someone, let's say we talked about Edith earlier. She was a hypothetical person. So Jennifer, yeah. if Edith were to walk into your office and she were to sit down with you, would you talk her through these things we've just been talking about, going for a walk? the self-care, understanding that she's not a failure, that it's a a chemical response going on in her mind. Are there some other practical things that you would share with Edith to to help her get through this? Most deaths, most deaths, um, there would be an exercise program we put in place, even if she's, you know, not inclined to exercise, but just have her do some walking. We'd also talk through some of the trauma. And a lot of times, trauma can be resolved with talk therapy. Okay. You know, it's thought that the reason people experience post-traumatic stress reactions is because their brain is trying to hold on to history. Interesting. And because we are very, uh, as human beings, very inclined to archive history. We don't want to let go of history. That's why there's all these history books and history documentaries. And <laughs> we want to hold on to what happened. And that's true of our personal history as well. So people will often hang on to it. And if they can tell another person and that person writes it down, then they have a sense that I know where to find it. I can let go. Okay. And they okay. will be able to let go of it. So we would talk through the trauma and try to work through that to where she wasn't so triggerable. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe even work through, find out if there was any susceptibility or openness in the family members to talk about the abuse and deal with it. Within the family system, it kind of depends on the system. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's an openness, sometimes not. But we would try to work through that and come to the most constructive place in response. And maybe she would get to the place where she didn't want to be around the uncle anymore. That's that's a viable choice. If someone's abused you, you really don't have to be around them, I don't think. Right. Um, And then, you know, if if all else fails, there's always antidepressant medication. Um, Those will chemically raise serotonin levels, this Dr. Rosenthal tested Wellbutrin, which is one of the, I think it's one of the S, I think it's an SNRI drug. It's one of the drugs that raises serotonin levels. And he said that if it was begun in the fall, it would often prevent seasonal effective. I use those medications last resort rather than first resort, but sometimes people really need them. You know, there are people that just seem to be chemically set up to need antidepressants at least. For a period of time. Okay. Well, Jennifer, you've painted a picture of how you would help Edith, and I think it's very, very helpful and very encouraging. We're going to take a short break. Stay with us here. We're going to come right back and talk a little more about seasonal affective disorder right after this short message here on Disclosure. Disclosure. 
searching for answers to life's toughest questions, like where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness, or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like, Does My Life Really Matter to God? and A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. Welcome back to Disclosure. I'm Jean Boonstra. And today, Jennifer Jill Schwerzer and I have been talking about something that I think is really important to look at, especially at this time of the year, and that's seasonal affective disorder, also known as SAD, which is a very appropriate acronym, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yes. Couldn't be better. Couldn't be better. Yeah. Well, Jennifer, we've talked a lot about, and you've shared some wonderful, wonderful information here, and I'm very thankful for um, your knowledge, your willingness to be here and share it, some of the Mm -hmm. symptoms of this disorder, which you describe as a subtype of depression, some of the approaches that an individual can take, um, and also like that just before the break, you talked about the fact that there is medication available. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I wonder sometimes if, if we're afraid to even talk about the fact that sometimes medication is a necessary option for people who are suffering from depression and sad. Um, You said that that is a last resort for you, which I I really appreciate. I think that's a balanced approach as a Christian counselor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I had clients where I can think of one where we tried everything and this individual was very conscientious, very motivated, to make all the lifestyle changes that for some people are quite dramatic in their effect on raising mood. And for some reason, it just wouldn't turn around. And they finally, as a last resort, went on a mood elevating one of the antidepressants. I think it was an SSRI drug. Those are called serotonin, selected serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Okay. They keep the brain from reabsorbing serotonin, so there's more circulating serotonin in the synapses in the brain. Interesting. And so it just basically raises the serotonin level of the brain. And those are some of the drugs. They do have side effects, but the side effects aren't as catastrophic as some of the other drugs. I feel safer with SSRI drugs than most other psychotropic medications. Uh, And they can treat a fairly broad spectrum of things. So as a last resort, sometimes those are necessary. And this individual went on an SSRI drug and within a month was feeling almost 100% better. It was remarkable. 
For, so so for, there's a place for them. Sometimes yeah. we have to accept our limitations as human beings, you know. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Well, something you mentioned earlier when we talked about, you know, the perfect storm of what can create seasonal affective mm-hmm. disorder. And part of mm-hmm. that you said was putting together maybe our predisposition toward it. Women are four mm-hmm. times more um, mm-hmm. likely mm-hmm. to suffer from this than men. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. when you add to all of this, the stress. Mm-hmm. So, especially this time of the year, maybe we're still kind of suffering from that post-holiday fatigue. Um, mm-hmm. The new year maybe has its challenges. Maybe we're not too excited mm-hmm. about what this new year holds. Do you mm-hmm. have some some suggestions, some practical mm-hmm. advice for how to handle stress? Yeah. I would say this about holidays. Simplify Hmm. simplify, simplify, simplify. Don't assume that your family expects you to knock yourself out. Be honest with people. You know, can we simplify this year? Can we have a a gift raffle, you know, where you take a name out of the hat and you just get one gift instead of a gift for every person? Or, you know, can, can we just have simple meals? Or there's various ways that you can really Simplify what you're doing and focus more on the togetherness factor mm-hmm. and less on the sort of the production and the, uh, the really over-the-top consumerism. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, I, I think this is the enemy trying to exhaust, particularly women, mm-hmm. <laughs> who end up being the ones that carry, you know, the lion's share of that burden. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so I just encourage women to be assertive. Talk to their families and find out ways you can simplify. Find out what are the traditions, what are the things that we do that are indispensable, that are deal breakers, and what are the things we can let go of. Okay. And and just, just make your program more simple. Go Christmas caroling or do something enjoyable. Go sledding. Nice. One of the funnest Get outside. experiences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of the funnest experiences I can remember at Christmas is a bunch of us went out with uh, all the little kids in the family and the big kids and and we all just found a hill and went tobogganing. Oh, yeah, it's and awesome. <laughs> it was it was a complete blast, and all yeah. of us agreed that it was just, and it cost nothing. Yeah, yeah. You know, we were healthier as a result of it. Mm-hmm. We went home and had and had cocoa, and, you know, it was just so simple that it was so much fun. And the more we can do things like that, I think the better. Mm. Well, yeah. I, I like your definition of those things that are, are kind of deal breakers. And mm-hmm. those things that maybe are optional, um, you know, right. I, a few years ago, I realized I was kind of killing myself with all the baking and I sort mm-hmm. of stopped and thought, you know, just because my mother made this, 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 and this, and my mother-in-law makes mm-hmm. this, 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 and this doesn't mean I have to make any of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I let each of our daughters choose their favorite thing and they make their favorite thing. And so I actually do no baking other than for Christmas dinner. And it was incredibly liberating. And you know what? You're right. If I had continued with that path that I'd been on, no one was really expecting it. I was just wearing myself down for no reason. And creating additional stress that was unnecessary. So I love your one word for our holidays, simplify. <laughs> yes, that's yeah, that's so good. And I, I like also like how you delegated because a lot of times we assume that we have to do it all. And then women can fall into this martyr mentality where, oh, I'm just, 
knocking yeah. myself out for all you've been here so grouchy and irritable and not even right. enjoying people anymore. You know, what's the point? So if you can yeah. delegate sometimes, um, that can be a huge thing. And people will often take that responsibility and run with it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we just ask. Yeah, we yeah. just ask. And I, I can learn more. I know I can. <laughs> but mm-hmm. you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. It makes a difference. Another thing. Another mm-hmm. thing we need to watch for around the holidays is overconsumption of sugar. Um, okay. Sugar will spike the energy level, and it'll it'll mess with your blood sugar, of course, and your and your insulin. Uh, but the the post sugar spike high can really feel a lot like depression in and of itself. Interesting. So you have this very mm-hmm. high level of it. Well, remember, sugar is a white crystalline substance. Right. So it's an awful lot like a drug in the way it looks, you know. Yeah. And it kind of affects the body that way, too. So you, you get this spike in energy, but then there's a crash. And a lot of times uh, people won't even realize how much that's affecting their mood. So the mm-hmm. more natural, simple foods, the more fruits you can enjoy. And, you know, some desserts, because you don't want to, like, have no cookies at Christmas. That would be almost, you know, blasphemous or something. But <laughs> But but just just not um, going over the top on that kind of thing, and okay. eating as many um, healthy foods as possible. Yeah, and that makes good mm-hmm. sense. So so mm-hmm. the way maybe we alter our, our regular diets around the holidays and and throw in all mm-hmm. those extra goodies, that's sort of mm-hmm. adding to that perfect storm that makes us feel so terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's why we should just all go to Florida. Yeah, <laughs> walk the beach, you know, in the sunshine, and play yeah. volleyball and go swimming and just forget the world. Yeah. Sounds wonderful. I wish, yeah, I wish I could I wish I could make that affordable and doable for every everyone because that is one of the treatments for SAD is a vacation, you know, and raising your mm, okay. serotonin levels and getting that melatonin and um, getting that sun exposure, it can really help the whole system recover. Mm-hmm. As long as the process of traveling doesn't undo all of the benefits of the uh-huh. <laughs> the stress of travel, sure. So if you're close enough to for a quick drive to Florida, that's the mm-hmm. ideal situation. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you also talked, Jennifer, uh, a bit about your approach as a Christian counselor when mm-hmm. you're talking mm-hmm. about treatments for uh, mm-hmm. seasonal affective disorder. Part of that mm-hmm. you mentioned is prayer. So share with us a little bit, you know, because Disclosure, we're a Christian ministry. Um, mm-hmm. How does your approach, not only prayer, maybe in other areas, how does your approach as a Christian shape how you help people deal with this disorder? Right. I'm not trying to be the smartest guy in the room, or I'm not trying to be their lifeline. I'm trying to connect them. To Jesus, who will be their lifeline when I have passed off the scene of their lives, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm just there temporarily. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times they can relate to God when they have formed a positive relationship with me. It sort of creates like a, it sort of creates a template of a person. Some people come to counseling and have never had a good relationship in their life. And they have a good relationship with their therapist. We call it a positive, a warm therapeutic alliance. Okay. And sometimes that can sort of create a, it sort of format their brain to where they can kind of understand what a relationship with God would be like. But I will, you know, ultimately lead the client to God and encourage them in their own individual prayer life. And then I will pray with the client. I usually do it at the end of the session because we've been talking about various issues and 
mm-hmm. object with them, you know, sort of place it all in Jesus' hands. Mm. And and for some people, that's, you know, really a turning point because they've never really practiced that kind of practical Christianity. So just the whole notion of God being a friend that is anxious to carry our burdens for us and care for us and walk beside us and sort of be with us in our struggles and our suffering is something that brings a lot of comfort to people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's sad that, that you forming those positive relationships might be the first positive relationship they've had, but it mm-hmm. shows the importance and the significance of, of what you're doing as a Christian counselor and being willing mm-hmm. to form that bridge almost um, yeah. to help them to see God, to even <laughs> consider that there is a good God out there. Yeah, You know, it's very interesting. The very beginning of the Lord's Prayer says, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And hallowed means holy or set aside, or it really means different Yeah, mm-hmm. versus common. And then name means character. So basically when you begin to pray to God, this is Jesus' model prayer that he left us. It's like the first thing you say is, God, you're different. In character, you're mm. different than anyone I've ever known. So it's like you try to get people to realize that God isn't like their uncle. God isn't like their affectionateless dad or their um, their critical mother or whoever has wounded them. Sure. You, you you just open their mind to the reality that God is different. And once you've got them to that point where they're willing to consider a God that's different than anyone they've ever known, it can, it can be the beginning of a whole new chapter of their lives. Beautiful. So I really try to get there with people. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Well, Jennifer, we've just got about, oh, less than a minute left before we have to wrap up this program. I just mm-hmm. want to give you an opportunity to tell, share with our listeners, if someone's listening right now, and they've been with us for this, oh, almost an hour, they've heard us describe the symptoms, and they feel like they might be suffering from this disorder, or maybe mm-hmm. a, a major depressive disorder that looks slightly different from what we've been talking about. What would mm-hmm. you recommend to them that their very first step be if they have never taken a step? Mm-hmm. I would seek a good counselor. I would look okay. for a Christian counselor and you can go to my website. I can connect you to Abide Counseling, which is a network of Christian counselors that do distance counseling. Okay. Uh, but maybe good. you have one in your community. I would find a good counselor that comes highly recommended by other people because, you know, it can be kind of like Russian roulette. You're locked alone in a room with someone. They better be a good person, but you don't always know ahead of time. So it's good if you have a referral. Sure or someone that knows that person and has had a good experience, I would get with a good counselor, see if you can get a diagnosis, and then start following some of the lifestyle points and and work with that person to work through any trauma that might be complicating the situation. Go from there. Okay. You know, and just engage in some good old talk therapy, and then seek the Lord, you know, and come to know Jesus. Amen. Read the Bible. Well, Jennifer, I really appreciate you being here with me as my guest. And your website, again, is jenniferjill.org. And for those of you listening, you, you heard Jennifer's advice. If you feel like you might be suffering from this, visit her website. Find someone who can help because there is a God who is our friend, and he is anxious to be with us. Until next time on Disclosure, I'm Jean Boonstra. Thank you for joining us. <music>